0: welcome to brah finance and we are here for another episode and we're going to talk about what do you do after you've paid off your debt okay you've got the banks off your back you're a free man you're a free woman you're gonna conquer the world because you got no debt okay that's what we're going to talk about in this episode and before we begin disclaimer as always we are not professional investors we are just people sharing our stories. So please consult with a professional before making any financial decisions. Okay, let's get into it. What do you do after you've paid off your debt? Well, I'm going to change this question. What did I do after I paid off my debt? Well, I'll tell you, it's a really funny story. Here's what I did I mentioned uh, in the other videos, you know, I went to ANZ and I had a consolidated loan and no interest. And eventually I paid it off and it got to zero. Now, I actually had several credit cards okay that i had i think it was like an american express there was like a visa commonwealth bank one or a uh, i don't even know i don't remember there was like three or there was like two or three three or four whatever um credit cards and even when i did the debt consolidation into anz they gave me a credit card for that account and you know what i did with it i took that account and i cut it straight away as soon as i got home scissors cut if you cut it up then you're you, you can't use it that's it right so that's okay. all you're using it for but basically here's what i did i took those bank cards And the house was empty, my girlfriend was at work or something, and I went to the back, and I started up the barbecue. Now, this is not some gas barbecue, right? We're we're real barbecue people. We use coal. There's no other way to do barbecue except coal, okay? If you say, oh, I bought a gas barbecue, I just get out of my face, man. Like It's coal barbecue. So I get all the coal, I get set up. You know, I bring the barbecue in. I get the coals going. Now, I didn't get one coal going. I started up the barbecue, so I had like I don't know, like heaps of pieces of barbecue. Like I was gonna cook sausages for a party, and I did a proper one. I lit it up, and if you know anything about coal, it doesn't light straight away. takes like twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes, whatever it might be on that day. And I remember it was a pretty sunny day, and I was in the backyard by myself, and it was almost like a ceremony, like a death ceremony. (laughs) And I took those credit cards and i put them in the barbecue and i just watched them light up become nothing and disappear and it was almost like a a ritual of like man i'm done with you i don't need you anymore right like you've t- you've taken too much from my life i don't need you anymore i'm free right i'm free to now take on the next steps in my life okay so that's what happened to me after i paid off my credit card but i would think some people <laughs> They get out of debt, but they didn't actually learn their lesson. So what do they do? They start spending again, right? They get excited. Oh, you know, like there's that new movie coming out or there's a new pair of shoes that I like or new jewelry, whatever. And very quickly, they're back to right where they started. So we really don't want that to happen. We want to make it that once we got out of debt, we are now on a positive outlook, a positive journey to take full long-term control of our finances, which means, yes, maybe you'll kind of go back to old habits from time to time, but we want to make sure that we eliminate that as much as possible. And if you do go off track, just come back on track, right? It's like going to the gym, you know? Yeah, you miss a day. You know what you do the next day? You come back to the gym. You just keep coming back. Half the battle is showing up, okay? So, all right, you've paid off your debt. Now, what do you do? Okay, Example, let's say you got $5,000 coming in. Now, I know most people may not have 5000 income, but the only reason I say that is because it's a really easy number to work with, right? But the example comes out the same. So if I say $5,000 a month income, but your expenses are 4000 well, then the savings is 1000 okay? Let's do a different example. Let's say you made $2,000, but your expenses were 1000 Well, it's the same example, okay? It's just easier to kind of understand. So let's say you got $5,000, <clears> And you know your spending your spending was you know two thousand uh four thousand dollars, and the amount that you were putting towards your credit card or your debt was one thousand dollars. What do you do with that extra money? Do you spend it? no, 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 no no, no, you do not spend it. you don't suddenly go on a spending spree. no here's what you do in the accounts where you can automate it, you automate it to your savings. Okay, because you've already proven to yourself you don't actually need that money to survive, right? Because it was going to the credit card. So you want to take that thousand, you want to push it to the other account, mojo account, a different bank account, whatever. Put it somewhere where it's going to be savings and you let it accumulate. Okay. You let it accumulate to, you know, give you six months worth of survival or 12 months, whatever it might be, it's your decision. But while that's happening, it's time to start planning your long-term goal of what you're actually going to do. Because now that you're out of debt, you now have positive cash flow. Now you can start going, well, what do I want to do with this in the future? Now, it's very important. You have time. You don't have to go, well, it, there's 2000 in there. I have to spend it. Or it's like, oh man, there's $10,000. i got to do something with it. You know, a lot of people seem to feel this pressure that it's just sitting there. I have to do something with it. You don't have to do anything with it. You just leave it in there. Just don't touch it. If it accumulates to $100,000, 100, Who cares? Just leave it there. No pressure. So take your time. If you need to read a book to research a new investment, read the book first. If someone starts coming at you saying, hey, bye, 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 you say, hey, bye, bye, right? Don't do anything you're not ready to do. It's much better to just have that money in cash sitting there. You can sleep at night. And then when you're ready and you're comfortable and you've learned the method, then make your decision. So let me tell you what I did. All right, so I paid off my credit card. I set up my barefoot investor accounts, right? Now I've got the money going off to savings and it's slowly starting to grow. Any additional money I made, whether it's a bonus from work or a tax return or you sold something or you made something online and you sold whatever it might be, all that extra stuff, I just keep pushing to the investment, right? As much as I can, I just keep pushing to it. While that's all happening, I'm studying. I'm researching, I'm reading books, I'm listening to, you know, podcasts, I'm watching YouTube videos, and I'm trying to decide, right, at the time, and this would have been like 2019, I would say, at the time, and I'm finally, you know, cash positive and all that, and I'm trying to go, well, once the money accumulates, what do I want to do with it, okay? Now, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you've ever read that book, okay, it's a fantastic book. Sometimes I don't like Robert Kiyosaki, when I see him on YouTube, he's just like, "Oh man, I'd love to punch that guy in the face," just because the way he talks. But the stuff he talks about is good. Just the way he talks, he calls everyone losers and like, you know, idiots and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, "Yeah, look, you know, our people, we didn't know, we didn't know, right? You don't have to call us idiots." But pushing that aside, what he actually talks about is really good. He has this one particular phrase, which is, you know, losers trade time for money, right? Winners get their money. To work for them. Okay. Losers, uh, what was it? I think it's like that. Losers work for money. Winners get their money to work for them. Something, something along those lines. Right. And the idea is you ultimately don't want to trade time for hours. It's actually not a very good trade. Okay. Because the issue with it is if you're not there spending time to make that money, well, then there is no money. It just doesn't exist. If you don't go to work on Monday, and you have no annual leave or sick leave or whatever, you don't get paid, period. So you want a way that when you invest, it's your money is making money, right? So for example, stock market, if you invest a $1,000 there, you want that's actually going to make money at the end of the year or something like that. So during that time, I was thinking, well, what's the best investment? Most people recommended to me, oh, you should save up for a house as the first one. But I actually didn't like that idea. Okay, and you got to realize I come from a very traditional, not extremely traditional, pretty traditional family of Filipinos where, you know, um, it's important you have a house, you know, it's very important, it should be the first thing you do. And I just didn't like that idea. And the reason I didn't like it is I have to think about this logically. And it pisses off my dad all the time because, for me, unless the ma- the numbers make sense, I'm not going to listen to anybody, right? So the numbers mathematically have to make sense for me to be like, I like this deal, okay? Now here was here's the problem I had at the time is, okay, so I have some savings. Let's say I had ten thousand dollars of savings. Clearly not enough to get into the housing market, right, in Melbourne, and. Anywhere in Australia for that matter. (laughs) Things have exploded right now in terms of how much houses cost. To even buy a house, you probably need anywhere from like 50 to 100 grand, which is just ridiculous. And so I didn't really have that money. And the problem I had with the house is let's say I saved up all that money. Let's say I saved up 80 grand or 100 grand. Let's say I saved up 100 grand in cash. But my only stream of income was my job. So I buy the house. And immediately after I buy the house, me and my partner, both get made both get fired from our jobs let's just say so now i have a debt of 500 grand or whatever to the banks and they're going to keep knocking on your door if you don't you know pay what was my strategy to deal with that the answer is i didn't have one one strategy you could have is go well you know when you buy the house just make sure you have adequate savings afterwards okay Let's say you have adequate savings plus a massive down payment for the house. So let's say you're sitting on somehow 120 grand or something like that. You buy the house and you have six months worth of income or something like that. Okay, That's great. But what if that runs out? Then what? So remember, when we're trying to come up with a financial strategy... It's not that we're trying to plan for every single event, but for the events that we can plan for, it's good to have some sort of strategy to deal with it should it happen. Because you know what? If it doesn't happen, you end up on top anyway. So you're all good. So for me, when I think about it, it's like sort of a win-win. If I save up money, um, six to 12 months worth of income, and then I don't get fired, well, I still have six to 12 months worth of income, so I'm all good, right? Or... You know, that's kind of my thought process. Now, you can agree or disagree, but that's just how I did it, right? So I started thinking, okay, as I'm saving this money, what I really need and what I kept hearing from YouTubers and all that kind of, particularly YouTubers and books I read, was you need to start thinking of other streams of income. Now, it doesn't need to be a massive stream of income. I'm not talking about financial independence or financial freedom just yet. That comes later. I'm talking about just a few hundred bucks extra. Now, at the time, I was teaching things online. So I was filming videos and putting them online and I was making maybe $200 a month or something. So it wasn't a huge amount, but it was something. And I thought to myself, if I can have a passive income that is close to my expenses, then that's probably better. Because what happens is, let's say I have a passive income of $1,000. And then... I have my savings, and then I buy a house. Now I get f- fired from the job and I have but I have the passive income, which means it extends my lifeline quite significantly depending on your depending on how much passive income you have, which I managed to grow it because remember you have time, so I grew that passive income to two to three thousand dollars by this point now, right so I have a massive passive income coming in, the job is coming in, and I have all this savings, and I bought a house. Now, none of the bad stuff that I thought would happen, happened. So what happens now? Well, I've got the passive income coming in, I've got heaps of savings, the house equity is now growing, which means all those people that may have gone, well, I'll buy the house for the first one five years earlier than I did. Long-term doesn't matter because your trajectory, now that you have all these systems in place, you have passive income coming in, you've managed your expenses, all that kind of stuff, your trajectory is so much faster that you end up catching up and surpassing most of them anyway. right? Not that this is a competition. The point is there's no point regretting that you didn't buy a house earlier or that you didn't do this earlier or you didn't do that earlier or I should have got out of debt earlier. doesn't matter because... To actually win and build that trajectory, build that momentum doesn't actually take that long. So you'll probably end up catching up to where you thought you were going to be anyway. And once you get really good at this stuff, it's not a linear thing. It's not like, oh, I got good with money and I'm still kind of growing at the same pace. No, what happens is you actually grow faster and faster. What I actually found was in my experience, once I started getting better with money, once I started getting better with investing, Once I started learning how to build a passive income, I could generate or save more in one year than I did in the last five years combined. It's not like my income multiplied by five, right? But it's just that I learned the skills. I learned the techniques, things like structuring your bank account, learning how to manage your credit card or eliminating your credit card or having no debt or planning for the future or whatever it might be, six to 12 months worth of income, unforeseen circumstances, all that kind of stuff. Once you start doing that, everything starts to kind of work together. Now you have this like kind of train building up momentum, right? So if you watch a train, especially a long train or like those old Disney movies, it's very slow. At the beginning, it's very, very slow because it's so heavy. But once you start building that momentum, you will find that things start to work together very easily because let's just say it's the start of COVID again. Let's go back to that example. You go back to COVID and the market collapses. Now, it went from $300 down to $250, for example. Let's just say for example. And because you had all this extra income, Passive income, you know actually i I'm talking from my experience now, so the market dropped. I had all this passive income coming in. I had the savings that I had there, which was more than I needed for six or twelve months. I saw the opportunity, I knew the risk associated with index that's when I bought because I knew now at the beginning, within a few weeks, maybe that first month, I actually lost money. It dropped further than when I bought it, but that's okay I didn't care the the red writing saying you've made a loss of $5,000 didn't worry me in the slightest. Why? Because I understood what was happening. I knew the index was eventually going to recover as it always does. Within 18 months, I almost doubled my money. I almost doubled. And I have no intention of selling it. You just let it do its thing. And then over time, it's going to probably triple, quadruple, and all that stuff. So that's why I'm saying it's not always how much you make. It's learning how to use what you've made, putting it in the right investment vehicles, making the right decisions, mistakes from time to time, protecting yourself along the way, managing your risk, and then you will actually kill it year to year. You will not even recognize what you did last year. You'll be like, man, last year I made this much and I doubled whatever I made that um, before that. Okay, so you catch up to all those mistakes you made anyway in your younger days. That's how we learn. All right, So that's it for this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed, and I will see you at the next podcast. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for watching another episode of Bra Finance. If you want to support the work we're doing, you love the things you're hearing from us, consider supporting us through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bra, B-R-A-H underscore finance by signing up you're going to get access to all sorts of things like spreadsheets and articles and video and training and all sorts of content so again thank you for watching and have a great day